Life Audio. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul-deep emotional and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. I once heard a psychiatrist, Dr. Kurt Thompson, say that feeling safe means a person is comfortable in their own skin. And I wonder how one's body image plays into that and how challenging it is for many of us to maintain a healthy image when we're increasingly bombarded by unrealistic, photoshopped images and constantly unfiltered social media posts. Women constantly receive the message that they must become thinner or curvier or more fit in order to have value, while many men feel the pressure to bulk up and become more muscularly defined. And if you find yourself battling shame, insecurity, and anxiety regarding how you look, then you're going to find the insights provided by my guest, Rachel Gilbert, particularly helpful. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm excited to be here. Rachel Gilbert is a wife, mom, licensed counselor, owner of BBC Health, Revelation Wellness Instructor, and host of the popular podcast, Real Talk with Rachel. She combines her clinical expertise and personal experience to help women overcome fear and insecurity to walk confidently in their God-given dreams. Rachel enjoys the great outdoors on hiking adventures with her family. She resides in Roanoke, Texas. Did I say that right? Roanoke. Roanoke, Texas, Mm -hmm. with her husband, Matt, three children, and a growing herd of animals. So you're really busy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Learn more about her at rachelgilbert.com. And of course, we'll put all of her information in our show notes. So make sure to check those out. In her book, Image Restored, Tearing Down Shame and Insecurity to Experience a Body Image Renovation, Rachel provides an insight out approach to body image. She writes to those who are tired of being at war with their body and thoughts about their body. As a fitness instructor, Rachel struggled with guilt and shame when she didn't measure up to her dream body image. Then as a licensed counselor, she realized how many of us bury the same painful insecurities and that we need restoration from the inside out. Image Restored provides a biblical perspective on eating, 
fitness, and godly self-confidence. Tools for overcoming comparison and trauma, how to reframe stories that formed our attitudes towards our bodies, and counselor-provided strategies to help us appreciate how God made us. It's one of the things I appreciated about your book is you go a lot deeper than I think many of us are accustomed when we when we hear how to handle body image or or how to deal with health you go a lot deeper to really like your book talks about trauma and lies and all of those things. Well, early in your book, Rachel, you share a story about a time when someone spoke a really hurtful and damaging message to you regarding your appearance. I would love if you could share that now. Yes, I, this has been years ago and I was training for yet another fitness type certification. And this one was pretty intense. It was a several weekends of training. And then our final thing we had to do was audition, if you will, in front of the, you know, the lead instructors and they would travel around to the gyms and, and score us and things. And so this particular day I was co-teaching with another coach and we got up, we did our thing. And then afterwards we all gathered around in a circle and this man, would give us feedback on how we did and what let us know whether or not we'd get to progress to their next level in the program. And he came, got to me and, you know, if you know me in real life, I'm kind of a quiet person. I, I'm, you know, I'm not super outspoken and things like that. And so he said, Rachel, he said, I was so shocked when you got behind that mic. He said, you just came alive. He said, you can tell when you get behind a mic, he said, you were an awesome instructor. And he gave me all of this great feedback about my skill. And then he said, but if you're going to teach for our company, you have to lose that mama pouch. He said, now remind me, how old is your son? And I'm like, three. And he said, yeah, that's no excuse. He said, you're too good wow. of an instructor. He said, that's got to go. If you want to, if you want to progress on with us, but otherwise you're great, you know, and then next moved on. And I mean, that just obviously, yes, of course, that was a bit embarrassing and things like that, but it just was like a sucker punch to the gut because it was a confirmation of what I was already seeing happening with myself. And even in the fitness industry, you know, you said a little bit ago, how my book is an inside out approach. And I just spent years in the opposite of trying to do the outside in thinking, well, if I could just fix the outside, then the inside will get in alignment. And I just discovered, nope. Nope. No matter how much weight I lost, no matter how much, whatever thing I did, it didn't fix the inside. And so that moment for me was a breaking point for me in that starting to pivot and go, there's gotta be a different way. There, there's gotta be a different way of doing this. Wow. One thing I appreciate about that story. So I'm, I'm looking at you here and you're, you're beautiful. And I imagine you were beautiful then as well. And so that really helps us to see how unrealistic a lot of the standards that have become. And I'm sure you've seen that firsthand in your experience in the fitness industry. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's never enough. <laughs> well, and I think that's how they make their money, right? If it's mm -hmm. ever enough, they're not going to. Exactly. We'd stop buying the products. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. <laughs> when counseling others on shame related to body image, what do you normally start with? Well, in counseling, the first thing I start with is really listening to their story because a lot of times people have never even brought any of this up and out. You, you mentioned this yourself. I took a deep dive and I'm aware of that. I, I recognize that my book is, you know, you do have to be prepared to, to do some work and to let some things up that maybe you've never let up. And in when I'm counseling them, then I start with really, I'm listening to their story to hear the core beliefs they're carrying around and the things that are shaping 
how they view themselves. Also, I'm looking, especially for trauma and things like that when I'm listening in, but a, a common thing that every person has in this body image place is some negative core beliefs about their body. Right, right. And you you discuss those core beliefs, which you define as our central ideas about ourselves and others and the world. You dis- You discuss that in your book, but what makes those beliefs so challenging to uproot? Yeah, because those start to be formed the moment we're born, really, right? And depending on your family upbringing, and then of course, culture and school and relationships that you've had, they're ingrained in us. They're just really have become part of us. And I I think until the day we die, we're going to be uprooting some core beliefs, negative core beliefs, not just with body image, but across the board. And guess what? We can also have positive core beliefs, right? It goes both ways. So they're not all bad, but there's definitely some things that it's just so part of your being, especially if your family of origin, you know, the way you learn to do things. I mean, you look at all kinds of stuff with family of origin. And then, like I said, culture, it's just part of it. And a lot of times we don't even question it until things are are off or we notice ourselves continually stuck in an area and we pause long enough to go, hmm, maybe I should challenge this. <laughs> when you speak about culture, my daughter's 25 now. And I remember when we were raising her and I tried really hard not to raise her with a, you know, where you comp, she's always complimented for her looks. And we tried to watch, we didn't do a lot of Disney because I thought, Back then, the images were really harmful to women. And yet she still, that was always how people would address, oh, you're so pretty. And so uh, hearing what you say about culture, yeah, it it comes from so many directions from a very, a very young age. I love what you said. So here's a quote from your book. Some of these lies are so deeply ingrained, we don't even recognize them as false anymore. And I think that's what, what you're talking about here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I love that you brought up that one of the first things we can notice is the physical and in some ways it's understandable, right? Cause we, you know, if you have eyes and you can see, you know, even right now I can see you, you know, we're like, we see each other, but I think that also just shows how superficial we can be. And again, not just with body image, but in even just really knowing each other, right. It's like, you want to engage and connect with somebody, but that feels a little more safe to just say something I can see with my eyes versus digging a little deeper, a little beneath the surface and looking at character things and heart things. And and that takes a little bit of work and that takes being intentional. Right. So remind me, did you say that, I don't know if this was from your book or what you just said previously, that sometimes we can't even recognize some of the lies that we've, we've absorbed or believed. Do you find that to be true? Absolutely. Especially if we're surrounded by people who are believing the same lies, right? Because now we're going to swim upstream. If we start to recognize, oh, I don't think that's accurate, right? Now, even if you were to say that to a group of friends or family members who are also entrenched in this lie, now you're going to be the odd one out because... And so then it makes you wonder, well, am I, am I wrong in this thinking? Cause everybody else is thinking like this. Maybe I am, maybe this is true. And that's why for me, I, I personally believe in going back and checking it against God's word and seeing, okay, what does God's word say about this? Whenever I'm not totally sure if this is culture, is this something I learned from my family or from my friends? And when I just want to get to the bottom of it and go, okay, what's the truth here? That is always a good, just nice foundation to check things on. Well, that's another thing I appreciated about your book. You were constantly pointing to scripture and challenging what people, what what we all believe in light of what we read in scripture. 
What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Your method is not a quick process, is it? No. And not, you know, quick fix is what sells, right? Right. <laughs> but it doesn't work. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> or it gives us temporary relief, but it does not stay. Stay. Yeah. Right. And I can see how this depth of self-investigation, how it can lead to just a deeper, more thorough healing and transformation. How often does body image and shame, how often does that stem from a false identity? Pretty often. Yeah. I mean, anytime you see shame, you're going to see lots of false, all kinds of things because shame just covers us in this almost like a heavy blanket. I think of like where it's just like this covering of messing with your identity, who you really are, false, you know, lies and things that you've believed. And yeah, it's very, very often is coupled together with shame and not knowing who we really are. So for those who maybe are just kind of have never really investigated, gone deeper in terms of their body image insecurities, what are some false identities that can lead to an unrealistic view of their body or unrealistic expectations maybe? Yeah, you know, a simple example, and I know not everybody can relate to this. So I always like to encourage people that when you hear my stories or somebody else's stories to make sure you find your, yourself in that, right? Because everybody, we all have different bodies and there's no two bodies alike. And so our stories are going to look a little different. But an example for me was in high school, I had another pivotal moment that was, I would say it was on my body image timeline where I lost a bunch of weight due to an injury actually, and needed to, that was the prescription the doctors gave me was it'd be, you know, be good to lose some weight. I'd never done that in my life. And, and I lost weight. And I remember for the first time being noticed by boys, I'd never had a boyfriend at that point. I never had even been asked out or anything. And I did get my first boyfriend and got a lot more attention than I was used to. And in that season, and I false identity came in of, oh, if I look like this, I get love and acceptance. Well, love and accept acceptance is a basic human need, right? Like we want to be loved and accepted, of course, by God, but then by people and something that is a basic human need can really get twisted when we start thinking, oh, this is love. This is acceptance. Well, it's not unconditional love. 
because it's it's very conditional meaning hey as long as you look the part because that first boyfriend that i got also lost that first boyfriend whenever i gained weight back okay? oh wow Ouch. you know yeah. and so it's like oh okay so you got to earn the love and then of course that affects our relationship with the lord because now we think oh i need to earn his love too which is obviously very false and yeah so it's just this so that's an example of a false right. identity yeah right mm -hmm. well and and at a young age when you're just kind of discovering who you mm -hmm. are i can see how those statements and those experiences could be particularly damaging yeah. yeah especially you know we've been talking a lot about core beliefs and so that shaped a very big core belief in me that i have to earn love i have to earn acceptance and it's conditional not not just with boyfriends but also with friendships and things like that and so it's interesting that's one more reason you know that question you asked me earlier how why are they hard to uproot these core beliefs because i actually had evidence for that too right right years like, of, actually, right yeah oh, yeah i'm like i actually had a boyfriend break up with me over that right and so now was that healthy and and all that no absolutely not but to your point as a teenager it felt very real, you know, felt very, right. oh, this is a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So those who are saying, well, I have evidence too. Yeah. How do you, how can we shift from saying, okay, this is, is true because to a healthier truth? Well, a, yes. a more accurate truth, I should say. Yes. Well, back to, you know, what you mentioned, I do, of course, I do like to point people back to the word of God and say, okay, you might have evidence in life, but again, does that line up with truth from God's word? But then, of course, that's, you know, we've already discussed that, but also even another form of this is even just looking at when you just look at basic healthy relationships. And that was something for me, you know, even if I hadn't been a believer and hadn't had God's word, I did finally get to the point where I was thinking, you know, one day when I get married, I want to marry a man who loves me for more than just Amen. Yeah. How much I weigh and what I look like. Yeah. And I settled on that. Like I said, that was not necessarily formed by God's word. That was just like an internal yeah. uh, personal boundary I had even of, I don't want to be held hostage to that for my life. Are you kidding yeah. me? That, you know? And so that was just something I came. So I do think it also just internally, you have to kind of come to these conclusions of what you're willing, how you're willing to be treated and right. things that you're willing to really pursue and want in your life. Yeah. And I think that comes to trusting God too, right? You talked about mm -hmm. it being a core need, right? Yeah. Love and acceptance. And and I know someone in particular who kind of experienced that when she was a teenager, had lost attention because she gained weight and struggled with that for a long time. And now she's married to a man who loves her for her. And, and I wonder in her situation, and, and she's not at a weight she wishes she was, I guess she could, you know, I've heard her say, but I feel like she's super, super happy because she's yeah. got a really healthy relationship. And I wonder if she had stayed in that cycle, if she never would have experienced the real love and health that God had for her. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, and because if you think about it, even if you do end up in, you know, getting married and things like that, uh, healthy marriages really stem from our, our own personal health individually, first and foremost with the Lord and things. And it's really hard to be intimate, even with another person, if you don't even like you, you know, if you're wow, yeah. in your own cycle of self-hatred and things like that, right. and not receiving love from God, not receiving grace from God. I always tell people like, we cannot, we can't extend what we don't have. Right. So if I'm not receiving grace and love, I don't have much of it to extend to somebody else. Yeah. So can I extrapolate from that? If we don't really do the hard work to get healthy with our body image, we could potentially be sabotaging our future relationships. Do you think that's fair to say? 
I do think it's fair. Now, of course, I always have to say, again, it's very individual to each person. That was my story. I know for my my husband and I, that's really one of the other things that led me to start doing my own work was because we were happily married, but there was definitely a bit of a wall between us into intimacy wise and, and, you know, in more ways than just sexually, but just you know, just being seen, you know, being vulnerable and things like that. And uh, the more I did my work, the better and healthier our relationship became. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how can someone speak life and healing over themselves and over their bodies? Well, to speak life and healing over yourself, I, again, comes back to receiving it. I know it feels a little strange to say things out loud over yourself that you don't really believe. But again, what we're taking in matters. So if we're consuming a ton of social media content that is only bringing up, you know, comparison or shame or different types of things, that whatever you fill your brain with is what's going to come out of your mouth. It's a heart posture, right? And that's what we can always tell. Whatever words are coming out of our mouth, really, instead of trying to change the words, it's let's look at the heart. What's happening in my heart? So you would recommend whether they believe it or not to speak the truth over themselves and eventually it'll sink. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And, you know, I know for some people, I'll even say myself, positive affirmations can feel a little woo woo or, oh, this feels fake. And again, that's what part of why I love scripture, because it does not return null or void. It does exactly what it sets out to do. And so to for me personally, I had to start with scripture because I couldn't argue with it. <laughs> you know, I might be able to argue with the positive affirmation about myself that I wrote myself. But if I infuse that positive affirmation with the word of God, even if I didn't believe it yet, I was renewing my mind with that. I was meditating on that. You know, I was meditating on truth rather than, because we're all meditating on something. <laughs> whether you believe, whether you know it or not, we're thinking on something. And if we are going to be overthinking on something, I'd rather it be the word of God or even just worship music or something that is just, you know, filling my mind with things that are true and worthy of praise. Amen. In your book, you guide readers into creating a body timeline. So can you explain a little, what is that? This might be one of my favorite things to do with people. And it's because again, as we've been saying, most of us don't give space to really stop and look at things and see what shaped us. So even today in our conversation, I've shared two of the many stories that have shaped me. And we all have these stories. Some of them are, you know, maybe a little smaller, which we call, you know, small T traumas uh, that were in the third grade when somebody called you a name. And did you go tell anybody or anything? No, probably not. But your little, you know, eight-year-old self kind of tucked that away. And that was, you know, a hurtful thing, but is still very vivid to this day versus some of us might have on our timeline, some bigger T traumas. And those definitely need to be addressed when it comes to body image and anything body related. But the biggest thing I love about timelines is when we just start looking at these stories, we can see a theme and then we can see, okay, that's where you find these core beliefs. That's where we can look at it. And, and also, like I said before, you also might find a good theme too. You know, you can find some positive things that have happened. And you can really focus on, you know, back to speaking life over our body. You can go, wow, look at my body. I birthed three children. Oh my goodness. Look how strong I am. You know, like you can see the positives too, but it's just empowering to see all that your body has been through 
to look at it for the themes of things we might need to uproot and rewrite, but then also to look at it and go, wow, you're amazing. Look what you've done. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, as you're talking, I'm wondering, do you think this could be helpful for somebody, the book to work through with their therapist? Oh yeah. In fact, I'm seeing it, people use it a lot with their therapist. I'm seeing it being used in group counseling and yeah, very, very much so. Awesome. When I can see how group counseling would help kind of create this a healthy community, maybe that would help you if you're coming from a negative community or a community with a lot of negative messages and then to shift to more positive messages, I could see that being very helpful. And I found your invitation to, this was, I, I actually kind of chuckled at this, to put a thought on trial. I really found that, that phrasing intriguing. So what do you, what do you mean when you say put your thought, put a thought on trial? Yes. And I can't take complete credit for that because that is a cognitive behavioral therapy tool modality, okay. if you will. And what it is, is again, most of us don't stop and actually look at our thoughts and go, okay, is there truth in this? Or is this something that I need to reframe? And, you know, I believe that's why Jesus told us to take your thoughts captive. And I love that he used the word captive because you're not, he didn't say coddle your thought, cuddle with it, <laughs> you know, invite it over for dinner and have a chit chat. It's take it captive, like get serious with it and go, where did you come from? And so that's really what we're doing. We're putting a thought on trial saying, where'd you come from? Where'd you originate? Is there any truth in you? What are you trying to do here? And if it's anything negative or anything that is not producing life-giving, you know, fruit in your life, then we need to rewrite it. We need to reframe it. And obviously we don't have time or nor do any of us want to sit and do this to every single thought that ever comes our way. But even doing it a couple of times just helps us to be aware of the power of our thoughts and just making sure, okay, are the thoughts that I'm meditating on and thinking on and mulling over, over and over again, are they serving me or are they just robbing me of all the joy and, and the peace in my life? Yeah. Well, and one thing I appreciate about your book for those listening who maybe have never really read scripture, don't know how to read scripture, or just learning to read scripture, you actually provide a lot of verses that so that they can meditate on that are specifically related to body image and self-confidence and, and some of these core beliefs that you talked about. So I think that's really helpful. So you talk about how toxic behaviors unbridled become addictions. What do you mean by that? Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a pull quote in the book. I've had a lot of people talk about that. Yeah, toxic behaviors. So I like to, you know, draw our attention, first of all, to the toxic part, because not all behaviors are bad. And some behaviors are life giving. And really, I like to just look at what fruit is produced in my life? Like, like we were just talking about, is it joy, peace, you know, all these types of things, or is it robbing me actually of the joy? Is it robbing me? Is it, is it taking things away? And so, um, again, a, a simple example I will give, cause I don't want to on a show, get into, you know, major addictions, but even, um, exercise, for example, is a great thing, right? I mean, it's, it's good for us. There's many health benefits with exercise, but if we dip over into over exercising and obsessing over it and, and things like that, it has the potential be, to become toxic and it's no longer life-giving. It's making us sick. It's weakening our immune system. We're getting lots of injuries because we're over-exercising. 
And now it's tiptoed over into becoming an exercise addiction, right? And so, and that's why, you know, I did provide kind of some list of questions there in the book for people to really gauge, okay, is this behavior still good? Is it producing fruit or are we going over into the land of it's turning into an addiction for me? I heard somebody talk about that was kind of an intriguing thought. They were talking about how people who were raised in, in homes where there was like, drug addiction or alcohol addiction and how we sometimes will say that it skips a generation. But yet, if you look at some of the other behaviors that didn't really skip, it just changed. So maybe they become an addicted to exercise or addicted to food or work or work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I can see how even just going deeper into your story can help pull out some of those what are the roots of this? Absolutely. We see that a lot with generational things of it just, it, it might look like it went away, but it kind of just took on a different form. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how might our struggles with body image, how can that kind of connect with, we already talked about our family and our, and our background, how can that connect with who we spend the most time with? Yeah. It's, you know, whoever we, surround ourselves with they're going to influence us it's just part of it this doesn't mean we have to remove ourselves from any negative influences because of course we can't do that especially if you work or well we have to remove ourselves from us (laughs) yeah exactly exactly right yeah we're all we're humans like we all make mistakes we absolutely you're never going to find perfect anywhere but the real question is, um, and, it, and it also depends on where you are in your journey. So for example, if somebody is just getting started in their journey of uprooting some you know, negative core beliefs, you might need to take a break from that exercise class that you were doing at the gym where they were always focused on something, you know, losing the last five pounds. And just for that season, you maybe can't be around it while you're uprooting some of these things. But it's just the biggest takeaway I like for people to know is that yes, if you're, if you're constantly feeling like you're swimming upstream in your community, you know, like you're the only one who's trying to make some changes, it's going to just make it that much more tough. And then the opposite is true. If you surround yourself with people, for example, some you had a group of friends here, we all going through this book together, right? You can, even though it's still going to be messy and you're still going to be talking about hard things and, and sharing things that you're going through and temptations that are coming up or whatever, at least you're doing it in a way where you're hearing each other, you're open-minded to whatever the other person's going through and you're cheering for each other rather than battling the change that is happening. Yeah, Yeah. well, I think that's another just to kind of plug for those who want to just gather people around them. You can kind of create your own positive, you can begin to create your own positive culture. And I really loved this resource. I I love how deep you went because I think that's a lot. I I think it's going to bring freedom to a lot of people. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. 
God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.